This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're buffoons. Mackey and Judd. They are not buffoons. On 1500 ESPN. Ruckless speculation. Yeah, Scott, um, LeBron James has been playing the last three games with a serious right hand injury that he suffered after punching a blackboard in the uh, locker room in Golden State. Followed. Uh, what happened? Uh, self-inflicted. Post game after game one, uh, very emotional. Um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, understanding how important a game one is on the road for our ball club. Um, what would that done for us? Um, you know, the way we played, the calls that was made throughout the course of that game. You know, I had emotions on. You know, the game was taken away from us. I had emotions of. Um, you just don't get an opportunity like this on the road. You should have punched Jr. If if you would have punched Jr. Smith, people wouldn't be hammering him for having a cast after the game four loss last week. They would have They'd said, be applauding oh, yeah. him. We all would have punched him too. It's too bad you broke your hand. They would have said you put, should have put a boxing glove on. You would have protected you on knuckles. the court immediately. Mm-hmm. Jr. Smith starts to take the ball out just on and just one. go. Jr. Come here for a second. Pow. Yeah, exactly. So you uh, reckless speculation. You caught wind, pun intended. Of some, this isn't as much, I feel like this is informed speculation. I don't think he would just float this. I almost feel like this is a You think this is sort of sourced, but told not to source it. Maybe not fully sourced, but what was it? Winhorse said today on the Lebetard show that LeBron should try to get Kevin Durant to create a super team with the Lakers. Reckless. Speculation. Wow. And I'm with you. When it comes to anything LeBron, if Wendy says it, I don't think it's just pie in the sky. I was sitting down last night and thought this up, and it seems like a good idea. I think it comes from, if not LeBron himself, then somebody in his camp who said, this is a good possibility. You can't source it. Don't say say sources close to LeBron, but you can float it. Yes. Uh, And it's, you know, and he's, it's educated guessing. Okay. Two things off that. Number one, I hope this stuff comes out every day for a month. I will not get sick of it. I think it's amazing when you have, and Bryce Harper is going to have the same thing on a lesser scale, but that's the best player maybe in, um, he's one of the top three or four players in baseball. The guy's got like 20 bombs already, and he's hitting free agency at age 25. So like Bryce Harper and whoever lands him changes the landscape of Major League Baseball. But 
LeBron James changes the landscape of basketball much more so because one player can have a lot more influence. One player could make the Lakers relevant again. One player could put the Rockets over the top to win a championship or wherever else he would decide to go. So I just, I don't know. I know people get sick of the oversaturation. And I I can tell you for 30 days, and the NFL does this the right way too, even though their top quarterbacks are really never free agents. And when they are, like Drew Brees, they don't test the market. So the NFL could add another layer and another trump card with their off-season stuff if quarterbacks became free agents and would test the market like LeBron James does. So that's number one. Number two, there's no way he partners with Kevin Durant. No way. I think he's so keenly aware of legacy and, like, he's willing to be hated. So it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be, oh, man, you you copped out and you joined Kevin Durant because he did the same thing with Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving when he went back to Cleveland. But part of the hill that he's trying to climb or the mountain it's not just the Warriors. It's the Kevin Durant mountain. It's the notion that Kevin Durant has outplayed him now a couple times in big games, and Kevin Durant has won the last two finals MVP. So if he were to take the best player from the team that he can't beat and partner with that guy, it would, it would be a little like joining the Warriors. It would be Joining the Warriors would be number one. Yeah, I and then number two would be grabbing the best player from but, the Warriors and forming your own team. But it would be on a team, on, on, on a franchise that was great for so many years and now has fallen back and if you are if you're LeBron and Durant and you go there and you win a championship you're both heroes statues i don't know he wouldn't do it i don't and and once again if if Wendy's going to float this out there it's coming from somebody in the LeBron camp probably who says it's at least being given some thought and Durant, Durant i think is defiant now I think Durant took so much crap, and you know what? He's won championships now. He doesn't care. But if you now, if they were going to go to a team that wasn't great and build that team up, I'd say, okay, probably not. But it's the Lakers, and you got a chance outside the Staples to have your statue and Durant statue out there. I think there's a fighting chance. I'm not saying for sure, but this is where the NBA's genius. The NBA's genius is this: we just got done with a playoff again that we deemed to be predictable. Yeah, yeah. The Warriors won. Big deal. The same. There was basically no huge or no surprise there. But the NBA's complete, the the genius of the league itself is this now. You don't know what's going to happen. The unpredictability of of their offseason to me is far more important because that's what gets people like us in. And, And do I think that there is a certain faction out there that's tired of this? I'm sure there is. Why is it? But, but this is but this is great. It's great. Th- the fact that you have the best basketball player, perhaps the best of all time, but certainly one of them, that you have no real knowledge of where he's going on July first makes this league it draw it sucks people in. Absolutely. And, and the fact that you could make a case for seven or eight different teams. You could make a case sure. for Lakers, Cavs to some extent. You have to keep the Cavs in the mix just because you know he's been there twice and it's where he's from. You can make a case for Houston. Sixers. Sixers for sure. I think Spurs and Celtics now. Mm-hmm. The, the Celtics make some sense. Mm-hmm. Wolves. Timberwolves. I'm having a hard time mm-hmm. making that case. LeBron! LeBron! We're looking at wings. We're looking at wings. Oh, That's such a sick wolf. But well, because I know you and Collar had this discussion about... Like I didn't hear it on Saturday, but that Collar, who's a big basketball guy and who loves offseason speculation and does a great job with Vikings coverage and stuff, I don't understand how anyone can be sick of 
speculation about where one of the greatest players of all time is going to wind up and how it could change the landscape of a sport. Unless you just it doesn't bother hate me, so. the sport so much that and, you don't care. And he doesn't. You're right. So, I mean, do you feel that way at all? Are oh. you sick of this at all? No, I like this stuff. So I, it's more fun than regular season basketball. Playoffs, speculation, regular season. In my, my old age, my interest rankings. I have gotten to a point now where I actually enjoy uh, speculation and and the talk of who might be traded or signed than I do games. Unless it's a great game, great playoff. Mm-hmm. But if you're to say, oh, okay, Judd, you can go see uh, Sidney Crosby on November 15th at the X, and he's going to score three goals and put on a great performance. Or we can have solid speculation and just fun trying to guess where a player is going. I'll take that now. And it sounds weird, but and there's a lot of people... It doesn't sound weird at all. Well, I agree. But there's old school sports fans that it always bugs. And I just say, you know what, though? This is what makes Twitter fun. This is what makes you can throw stuff out. And in an era where where so many people are mad and angry about things, this is the fun of sports. This is the fun of sports. You can be completely reckless about what you're trying to speculate on, and ultimately nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hurt. Except for J.R. Smith. Reckless speculation. Let me take the caller side then. Sure. Is it is it not just the speculation? I think it's just the fact that it has happens to be LeBron James. I think it's LeBron fatigue. It's, what, now the third time we've been through just off-season LeBron, where is he going to go? to Miami, back to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and now we'll see. It's almost become the Golden State Warriors winning the championship, just off-season version. But there's a, but but with the Warriors, you the result matches what you thought. With LeBron, you don't know what the result's going to be. You don't, but the process until you get there plays out the same as it has the last two times. I think the, anticip- the anticipation and the lack of, of knowing what the end of the movie is is what makes it compelling to me. And I think it's just fun. It's just fun because you don't know. And and the fact that a, a lot of people don't like him, to me, makes it more fun. Because you get all sides weighing in. You get all these people that say, oh, who cares? You, so I just I find off, off-season trades and signings now to be really juicy. The, the part, I guess, that... Why I don't I'm not as excited about the LeBron story as you guys is it's either A he goes back to Cleveland okay that's great or B it's another super team. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the, what's the fun in that? Well, either what, he forms a team you think to that, crush like, there's the a, Eastern Conference that there's a again. Third option that's more fun than those two. Having a competitive league might be the Lakers would be great fun. And that could be. If he you goes are right. with Durant there, do you know how much they'd be vilified? But here's what's okay. But here, let's go down the path that Dave just went down here. Okay, the teams that we that we that we go back in NBA history and we think about the great teams of all time. They're all super teams. The Showtime Lakers, where you have multiple Hall of Famers, that's a super team. Mm-hmm. They, they added Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They added him from the from the Bucks organization. Like they pulled a great player from a different organization. Yep. Uh, the Chicago Bulls were fortunate enough where they drafted their super team with Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and then had Hall of Famer Dennis Rodman. They had Hall of Fame iconic coach Phil Jackson. Like, that's a super team. Why do we love some super teams, but we hate it? So basically, we're saying, LeBron, you were dealt a crappier hand than Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson were dealt. Like, Magic Johnson was dealt an amazing hand with a great organization, great owner, great coaching, everything, sidekicks. Didn't have to move somewhere else to find it. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. They were they were drafted into a great organization, and we punish LeBron for seeking the same things that those guys pretty much had organically because of great organizations. 
So like I that's why I don't get mad about the super team thing because all the other championship teams, the San Antonio Spurs was a super team. It just so happens that they drafted the players that were part of that super team. But I think back in the day, it felt like at least it was built by the organizations. Of course, it, it totally was good was. drafting. It was trades, and whatever. And now it's uh, you know, yeah, it's say, hey, you want to go play but with let's me? Say, let's do it. Let's say he, he goes to Houston to play, and he plays there, and that becomes a super team. Then you got Harden, possibly, and Paul and LeBron. But you know what? You got a chance to slay the Warriors. That's a great storyline. Somebody else, if if the Warriors stay together, if if they're going to be slain, it's going to be an ACL injury or someone forming a right. more powerful collection of all-stars in and their if, primes. If, right? if he goes there, there's <laughs> and a... And they take on the Eastern Conference champions. Yeah. <laughs> but if he the goes there... Pistons with Dwayne Casey. <laughs> they're the favorites. <laughs> Houston's the favorite then. It, it's great fun. I, I thoroughly enjoy this. And if you don't, as I told Collar, you got to get off Twitter. I've got a Mackie and Judd rank them when we come back for you. You tell me if I'm close on this. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Wow, the suspense. <laughs> this is a cliffhanger. Mackie and Judd. Cliffhanger. On 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more Mackie and Judd live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Metafast. It's not exactly the old AT40. The countdown rolls on. But it's definitely a countdown worth paying attention to. How do I get ranked? Now, Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. All right, I've, I've got dynasty rankings now that the Warriors have just taken their third title in four years. All right. I've got a list of dynasty rankings here for you. Uh, one through ten, and this is... This is post nineteen seventy, so I'm calling nineteen. Basically, the Super Bowl era is the modern era for me in these rankings. You could the old school; it was just a lot easier to build teams that would win for ten or twenty years. The the Yankees, the World War II era Yankees, so ten years before World War II and then ten years after World War II, sixteen championships in about twenty six years, and they did, they didn't lose players at the time too. So yeah, yep, yep. Uh, like the fifties Lakers, the Minneapolis Lakers, the sixties Celtics had right. eleven titles in thirteen years. So I'm going to go nineteen seventy to the present. Okay, and and I'm not counting the LeBron James dynasty where his uh, he won two championships in three years at the end with the Heat, and then won another one with Cleveland there. So. He would be an the the LeBron dynasty is an honorable mention in itself, even though it's with two different teams. But here are the ten. All right, all right. In fact, let's make this official here. Let's uh, let's do this. Number ten, the Kobe Shaq Lakers, which probably should have been more if egos didn't get in the way. They won three straight championships. Went to was it a couple more? They went to at least one more there. They went to four and five years. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they're they're number ten. I think if you if you go three, Pete, if you win three in a row, it's more. There's there's sort of two factors. There's the longevity dynasty, and then there's the what were they at their peak and how dominant were they at their peak. And there are some that check both boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers checked the dominant at their peak, but it wasn't like a ten year run. So Kobe Shaq Lakers, number nine, the nineteen seventies Steelers, four Super Bowl championships in six years. In an era where the AFC had all kinds of great teams. I mean, you had Dolphins, you had, and then on the other side, you had the Cowboys and the NFC. But, but you had Vikings, Cowboys, Steelers, Dolphins, Raiders 
all at their peak in that yep. era, right? The, the key thing being, though, that those teams didn't lose players. Yep. So if if my contract came up, guess what? I stayed in Pittsburgh. Yep, and that's true. When did, when did free agency officially start? Uh, I think like the 80s? I, I think the uh, Plan B, which was the first version of it, I believe was 1992. Okay. So, but yeah, football was different. And football, basically, until 92 or so, you were tied to your team. Uh, number eight on my modern era dynasty rankings, the 1990s, early 2000s New York Yankees with four World Series titles and six World Series appearances, including three straight wins. You had, number eight, huh? Okay. You had a three-peat there. Yeah, that was a hell of a franchise at yep. the time. And they and so they actually made two World Series after that run mm-hmm. uh, to, to carry it out. They got One of them, they got beat by the Marlins, though, and the Diamondbacks. Four and five yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. Number seven, the 2000s Spurs. They never won back-to-back, but it was... It was five championships over a staggered 15-year run of playoffs and 50-plus win seasons. And so the Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan Spurs, kind of an unorthodox dynasty. It wasn't It wasn't like they won four out of five or they just won. They won one every two or three years for a long stretch. Number six, the 1980s Edmonton Oilers. Five titles in seven years. That would have been your wheelhouse. That was, yes. Uh, five That's titles good, in seven yep. years, culminating in 1990 when they won their last. Yep. Number five, mm-hmm. Dynasty Rankings. I'm putting the current version of the Golden State Warriors, number five on this list. They still have longevity potential if they stay together for another, let's say, three to four years. They could they could pretty easily win another two or three titles if they stuck together. But it's the fact that they've got three titles in four years, and they set the NBA regular season wins record. So they have, they've got these peak moments of greatness that are unrivaled in uh, multiple eras of the NBA. Number four, the 80s and 90s San Francisco 49ers. Five championships spanning two coaches, two quarterbacks, almost two full decades of of prominence. Yep. Number three, the Showtime Lakers. Five titles and nine finals appearances <laughs> from like 1979 to 80 all the way through 1991. That was a well, and they got so Magic got there in '79, correct? Yes, '79. Yeah, so okay, so they're number three. All right, and then number two on my modern era dynasty rankings: the 2000 Patriots, five Super Bowl wins, eight Super Bowl appearances, and a 16 and 0 season. Thought they might be the undefeated regular season is up there, Mm -hmm. and number one, a team that at the time set the regular season wins record and went six and 0 in NBA Finals: the Chicago Bulls of the 1990s. So Bulls, you're looking at me like I'm from outer space. No, 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 no. Okay. No, I'm just writing them down. Uh, Bulls, Bulls, Patriots, yep. Showtime Lakers, yep. the San Francisco 49ers of the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm putting the current Warriors five on this list, and I think they have more more to give, too. The, and they also like changed the way that teams play basketball. Like The, the amount of three-point shooting that right. you see here, they've changed the entire complexion of the NBA. The 1980s Oilers, the 2000s Spurs, the 90s early 2000s Yankees, the 70s Steelers, and the Kobe Shaq Lakers with three straight titles. My honorable mentions were the 90s Cowboys, the 70s and 80s Islanders and Canadians. You can make a case for in the oh, NHL. They won, it was like four in a row and four in a row, yes, right? Yes, they did. Uh, the, uh, let's see here. The 80s Celtics, three titles in the 80s. The Lynx of the 2010s. And then maybe the A's of the seventies, where they had a, they had a three-peat there in the seventies. You can make a case for. So, so the the Steelers in the seventies, I think that's a tough one because it, it was way it was weighted towards them to be successful as long as possible. It's good for them for building that, 
But besides that, I, I think that's fair. I thought the Patriots might be atop your list, though. Just that level of excellence for that long. Because it's been what? They've won... They've won five Super Bowl titles. They've been to eight, I believe, since 2001. So, and that is a, and that league since 2000 to be that good, that consistent is remarkably tough. That's as, I think in all of sports, if you go through it, eras, what the Patriots have done might be the most remarkable if you look at the fluctuations around them. Yeah. Oh, you are a professional. Turn your mic on, Phil Mackey. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't fight you. I mean, if you wanted to put the Patriots number one and you wanted to put... I think the fact that the Patriots went 10 years between winning the Super Bowl and, and they they had the 16-0 and season and then they lost the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> yeah, it was a buzzkill. Yeah. If if, if, it's almost like if they would have had that one extra one in there, then I think they'd for sure be number one. But uh, the dominance of the Bulls, the the fact that they never lost in the finals in that era, and in terms of just team dynasties, mm-hmm. I think that factors in. And then... The Showtime Lakers I'm putting in here, the five titles over the course of basically a decade, and then the nine finals appearances, and that's in an era, too, where you had the Celt- the Celtics were fighting for Dynasty turf. Yep. You had some good Sixers teams, the Rockets in the in the no, that's early true. Hakeem Olajuwon era. That's very fair. Are in there, too. So I thought you might fight a little harder for one of these hockey teams. Like Islanders, Edmonton to be in the, top uh, the, five. the Montreal team won four consecutive cups right before I started watching hockey. The Islanders I saw, and they, they were great, but again, they didn't lose players. See, my, my thing is, if you if we're talking about an era where where guys basically stayed on the same team, that's a different era to me, because that's great that you built up a team, but now the, the issue is year after year after year, you, you have to contend with with players potentially uh, jumping off your roster. Mm-hmm. And so I I essentially look at when when did a full fledged free agency in each league come in, and if you continue to win after that, that's the impressive. Yeah, thing. you're pretty much never going to see a team like the 1960s Celtics. This might have started late 50s into the late 1960s. And they won eleven championships in thirteen years. But I told you that they will kept getting never happened in the NBA. They ever got first again. round buys. They had to play one round of playoffs to get to the finals. Yes, and they got to keep their team together. And let's face it, there weren't nearly as many African American players in some of these in baseball. The, the New York Yankees from the mid thirties all the way through the Mickey Mantle era into the early sixties. You know, they weren't facing Dominican pitchers. Yeah, there weren't well, Cuban players. There weren't Venezuelan players. And LeBron James just played four rounds of basketball. He had he just had to play four rounds. If you had told Le- LeBron, "Hey, we're going to give the Cavs a first round bye, and then we're going to give you one playoff series, and then you you go straight through to the championship," they'd still lose to the Warriors. But yeah, your point's But his life becomes much simpler. It still would have got smoked. You don't get away. beat up as bad. His season would have been over uh, two rounds early. Well, J.R. Smith yeah. still would have screwed him if that's what you're saying. Wetmore on Twins when we come back. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And you know what they need? Tweaks. 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 On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This descent into decrepitude is going to be long and agonizing. Mackey and Judd. It's going to be absolutely horrific to watch. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. Now, hit to the outfield, should add another run. 3 2 to Cave. There's a high blast to center field. Trout going back, 
This is back and gone. Jake Cave to the deepest part of the ballpark. A two-run blast. Are we calling it the Jake Cave game officially yet? Is it trademarked, Derek Wetmore? I didn't file for the patent, so <laughs> you guys call whatever Nor do you, you want care. To. Yeah. Well, the Twins did win yesterday, which is good. Uh, the bad news is we're now getting into the middle of June, and they're still just buried multiple games under five hundred. Let's start. Let's start with this one. So Miguel Sano was moved down to fifth in the order a few days ago. Was he hitting seventh? Yeah. Yesterday on uh, Friday he was batting seventh. That was the first okay. day they popped him down. Yeah. So what? What you you've been around the ballpark here? What do we make of just the current state of Miguel Sano? Yeah, all I, due respect to Jake Cave. I don't want to spend twenty five minutes. Talking I don't understand. About Jake Cave. Hey, I mean, Jake Cave's a great story. Nothing wrong with Jake Cave having a big game. Back it up, but Sano uh, <laughs> Sano. We now have these like very real questions about his future. I think, and so that's just juicier to me. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Right? Yeah, and Judd, I know for I, you, I love this. You're a ambulance chaser if i've ever seen one and it's a good story sorry that was just an unwarranted it's, no cheap it's true shot. oh no it's, it's true oh, no, not an unwarranted right. i embrace that it's term. a warranted cheap shot so here's what i think about sano guys i think this is one of two things moving him down in the lineup either is a kick in the pants challenge to say like hey man there's a good hitter still in there. Let's see that. Let's see more of that. Take, I don't know if it's taking his plate appearances seriously. I, I get the sense that Sano takes his plate appearances very seriously. But I just think that it, it could be sort of the subtle message from whether it's the manager, the coaching staff, the front office. Hey, the great hitter that Twins fans all fell in love with, it was because of the power and the patience, that selective approach at the plate. You went up there looking to crush something, and often you did. And in a 3-2 count, you get a slider in the left-handed batter's box, and you spit on it and take a walk. Now the Miguel Sano we're seeing, it's more like 1-2 counts and some 2-2 counts, and you get that slider in the left-handed batter's box, and he swing and miss by 6 inches. And that's, that's really concerning. So the first thing I think this could be, boys, is just a little bit of an old-fashioned challenge. Wake-me-up message. Hey. We need that guy back. The other thing that I think it could be, it's way simpler than that. He's just not one of the six best hitters in the lineup right now. I think it's that. Man, now. Yeah, they've got six guys you'd rather uh, have that's up it. first. I in think that's de- exactly it. In a depleted lineup, right. though, mind you. It's, it's not like, but, like no, Robbie Joel Grossman's Maurer. batting leadoff or whatever. Was he batting leadoff yesterday? Yeah. I see there. Okay. But when you watch, took the day when, off. when you watch his at bats in recent weeks, there's no compelling case to say, well, yeah, you know, we might want to hit him clean up again or you know. fifth. I am now to, to the point of I don't care how he takes it. I don't care if he hates me. If I'm the twins, I am very close to. In fact, personally, I would send him down. I'd just send him down. I'd send him to Rochester and I'd say, hmm. this is this has nothing to do with us trying to wake you up. You do not belong, Miguel, in a big league lineup. Well, that's just the case. That's a that's a pretty huge wake up call if you were no, to but take I'm an saying, established player. But but Patrick's column cited sources as saying it's not going to help him because he's not going to be sent down and and be pleased about it. He's not going to be happy about it, and it's not going to light a fire underneath him. But I'm fine with that. Yeah, That's my point. I would just be done. I'd say you're going going down until you work on a lot of things down there. Yeah, and the the weird thing to me is, and I don't mind challenging him, I think the Twins have to figure out how to get through to this guy, and it's not just because, oh, there's a good player in there and you'd like to get more out of it. Here's my honest opinion, guys. This sort of championship path that the Twins hope that they're on, that the front office came and said, we want a championship-caliber club for multiple years. 
that revolves around a good Miguel Sano and a good Byron Buxton. I don't think that they have the depth of talent in the organization to just have both of those players, pardon the pun, swing and miss as players, as be just sort of bench guys, extra guys on a 25-man roster, and still be a Houston Astros and still be a New York Yankees. Yeah. They're not in that echelon of team if those two aren't superstars. So you take one of those guys, and he's hurt right now. What are you going to do? you got to get Buxton healthy. But but that's also part of like the fact that he's not valuable is that he's always hurt. Yeah, I, yeah but just in this specific case, you mm-hmm. can't blame fouling a ball off your toe, in my personal opinion. Let's look back at Sano, though, because that seems, it looks from the outside looking in anyways, like these are fixable issues. These should be things that an individual and a training staff and a team and an organization surrounding him, because sometimes it takes a village, you ought to be able to fix this. You ought to be able to take the talent that's in there, even in his present form, his present shape, and say, let's get something out of this. How can we turn you from a sort of replaceable player that's batting seventh in the injury-depleted twins batting order and turn you in back into that middle-of-the-order slugger who's rightfully going to multiple All-Star games? So I think you're right. I think they definitely have a lot more talent on the way, Royce sure. Lewis, Nick Gordon. There's a couple pitchers. Uh, they've drafted some SEC and and Pac-12 power hitters in the first and second rounds. So there's definitely talent on the way. But I'm with you. If you want to start competing on that top top level in the next two or three years, you can't just you can't just call yeah. a potential you know eight wins above replacement outfielder a complete bust. Right. So I guess my question would be. In, the, in in this era of watching sports, it's really easy to just snap judge a bust to say, "Well, I've seen two years of this guy in baseball, and I'm and I'm done with him." Or I've seen uh, I've seen a couple years of this basketball player, or whatever. Not not to allow for the possibility of patience, or maybe a guy has to be 26 years old instead of 21 years old in order to flourish. How do we balance our general impatience as sports fans and viewers with the fact that these guys are now combined like 2,000 plate appearances That's into right. their careers? And they're always injured, and they're and they're very rarely productive. That's a great question. I think oh, the Twins have to be. It was an okay That's question. Right. No, I'm not sure I judge it as great, Dave. Here's why. Right. It was a great Thank question. You. Thank you, yes. everybody. All right. Okay. I appreciate it. Studio yes. audience, why don't you shut up? That's right. Hey, keep it down. <laughs> it was a great question because I think it's exactly what the Twins have to be asking themselves right now. I think Derek Falvey should have that question on his office whiteboard. Just don't punch it. Yeah. And break your hand. Oh, LeBron James. Like LeBron oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Basically wow. played. Sure. Sure you did. Anyways. I think that the, the look, because we think about this like this. We think, oh, there are a couple games under 500, get back to 500, and the Indians haven't taken off. You're right there. That's how we think about it. I mean, that's what I come to the ballpark and people say that to me all the time. They say, you're stupid for writing the season off. Granted, they're right. And they're right there. The Indians are right there. But that's not how you think about this. If, if you're asking me how I'd look at sort of building a sports team, when you ask about impatience, Phil, look at some of the good teams in the league. The Yankees ain't going anywhere. A lot of young talent on that roster. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox probably aren't going anywhere. Certainly the Dodgers had their struggles early, but they're looking like a super team now. The Astros are a super team. All of those teams that I just mentioned might win 100 games this year. That's the bar that you're setting if you're the Twins to what you have to aspire to over time. Absolutely, yeah. So when you ask about fan impatience, Phil, how how long before we just say these guys are done? Now, keep in mind, everyone wanted to give up on Kyle Gibson a year and a half ago, and now 
he's one of the better starting pitchers in the American League at, at this time. Maybe that maybe that holds, maybe it doesn't. But the point is that like at age 30, we now think something very different than we thought at age 27 or 28. We thought, well, I, I know what this guy is. He's a He's lucky to be at the back of a rotation, ground ball guy, doesn't throw enough strikes. And he's replaceable. And now, Kyle Gibson has really turned his career around. It looks like a great pitcher. Eduardo Escobar, another example. You don't have to look any farther. Eddie Rosario, we thought, he's going to swing and miss at everything. He's a horrible player. Now he's going to go to an all-star game. So you can look around and find examples everywhere. Mm -hmm. The only problem is some guys who you thought, oh, just give it some time, just give it some time, eventually are 32 and out of the league because they don't have enough skills. Where's the balance? Back to your your bigger picture point here that – the goal isn't to get to 85 wins in a weak division and get back to a postseason game sure. or a series in which you're just going to get drubbed by one of these top teams. The goal is that's kind of the short sighted or short term goal. Oh, you're in a weak, you happen to be in a weak division this year. And so you can live with flaws that you wouldn't in other years. Sure. I agree with you that your goal should be okay, there's teams that are winning 95 or 100 games. And this is what their farm systems look like. This is how they develop players. This is what their lineups look like. This mm-hmm. is what their pitching staffs look like. And try to get on that level with what you're building. Not that you're going to do it this year, but like the, your move should be with that vision in mind. 100% agree. And, and so to bring that back to Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton, I'm not ready to give up on either one of them, largely because you need them both to be great. So the Twins focus for the rest of the year, a short-term goal or a, a small goal like in pencil on your uh, desk notebook might be make the postseason. And that's important. It's an important goal. Everyone in that clubhouse should be striving for it. Molitor should be striving for it. The front office should be thinking about it. But the bigger red-letter goal should be capitalize on Miguel Sano's talent. Keep Byron Buxton healthy and make him a superstar again. Keep Eddie Rosario performing at this high of a level. And then if you want to keep going down and down that list, you could you could really go 30, 50, 70, 90 players deep with that. Keep Eduardo Escobar. Do you offer him a long-term contract and just make him the third baseman? Mm-hmm. Get Jorge Polanco back. I mean, there are all kinds of mini examples in this, but at the very tip top of that list to me, Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton sort of need to be fixed, and that's on the Twins and both of those players respectively. If I'm the Twins right now, I am hoping that the Cleveland gets hot and pulls away big yeah, time. Me too, actually. And that, and then my goal for 2018, Dozier, Lomo, Lynn, Rodney, Santana, if he comes back, all traded. I'm trading them all. I'm trading every one of them. I don't want to make the playoffs now. Because I don't have I don't have a long term playoff team. What I have is tradable assets that can help me build this franchise and get even stronger for the future. Okay, let's take the reality that Judge just put forth. Let's say that happens. Okay, and let's say that those are the names that go, or whether they go by the trade deadline or whether they're just gone for 2019. What does all of this look like if they're not contenders? If if this is if this isn't going to get a whole lot better, what does this all look like for next year? Uh, Mackie and Judd, Derek Wetmore, you can find his Twins coverage and his five thoughts, his email list, 1500ESPN.com, and also the Touch Em All podcast. We recommend subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and uh, you know help protect against our insecurities. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast. Mackie and Judd are back. All right, people, let's get ready. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. In Tuesdays at 6 p.m. for the Adrian Heath Show, it's presented by Heineken. Every week, Jamie Watson and Adrian Heath will be breaking down Minnesota United FC MLS soccer 
and much more right here on 1500 ESPN. Six o'clock Tuesdays. Thank you, Dave. We got Wetmore hanging out from the Touch 'Em All podcast and 1500ESPN.com. And Judd just brought up, uh, well, I guess not really a doom and gloom theory. It's just kind of like if the season keeps the reality going down the, yeah, the, of where this might go. Yep. Yeah, where they would start trading off the guys who are expiring contracts, the Brian Dozier's, Irvin Santana's contract is going to be up, et cetera, et cetera. I think if you get rid of all those, and if you can get something for those players of substance, like a, a double-A pitcher or a catcher of some kind, whatever it is, even more of a of a bonus for you. But if you take those guys off the roster, Logan Morrison, Fernando Rodney, I still like the core of what they have, provided that either Buxton or Sano or both get it in gear at some point. Because you're still looking at, and this, and, and by the way, you'd be stripping away about a $75 million in payroll, Great. too. Yeah. So if you really want it, we've talked about Manny Machado on this show, but Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco coming back in the second half. Nick Gordon will be up maybe even in the next month at some point. Barrios, Odorizzi, Fernando Romero, Kyle Gibson has one more year left. Michael Pineda is under contract for next year. You got Gonsalves. You've got uh, Littell, who made a start in the major leagues. So you've got pieces here that could still make you competitive for next season and your pitching staff, and you've got some bullpen guys here. Um, I almost like I'm almost siding with Judd here too in that. Just get to let's just okay, just get to the 2019 thing as soon as you can. If this is going down the tubes, beat other teams to the trade market and. Now, I'm not quite there yet. I want to see a little bit more play out. But like on July 1st, I'll be ready to start planning for 2019. Sure. That's well, my take on it. Yeah. I mean, you could start trading now and you already wouldn't be first to the trade market. That's true. There are other teams moving players right now. I mean, the Mariners got aggressive. The Rays have continued to dump some salary. And like, it's moving. Yes. It's moving. It's going. And so I'm kind of torn because I look at the moves that the Twins made this offseason and I very... um. I don't want to say that I like first guessed this, but in the back of my head when they made these moves and I said like, oh, this makes, hey, 2018 is pretty interesting. I mean, Fernando Rodney, Logan Morrison, um, Lance Lynn doesn't fit in this category, but Jake Odorizzi does where I thought, okay, yeah, 2018. But then you look at them and you think about the deals that they handed out. Addison Reed's another one. They also had 2019 in mind. It, It very clearly wasn't just about 2018 this winter. I mean, the Lance Lynn move is really the only one. I guess Zach Duke, you could say, hey, we just got to get some more veteran talent on this roster right now. Everything else, Logan Morris investing option. Fernando Rodney, I think it's a club option for that second year. Mm -hmm. Addison Reed, just a straight two-year deal. Logan Morris, oh, I already mentioned Morrison. Odorizzi had two years of team control, not just the one and then free agency. I think that was a critical component to all of these offseason deals. The Twins were saying, hey, 2018 we like, but... The American League is awesome, including Cleveland, who hasn't been awesome yet, but but I think the Twins were expecting them to be awesome. All of these deals give them a great amount of flexibility for 2019. If you want to keep those players, great. You got them cheap under team control. Michael Pineda will be cheap because you paid for his rehab. You're in a really good spot. If you want to strip it down, get rid of all those players and just start start over. I did the math this weekend, boys. The Twins could clear like a hundred million dollars off of their payroll if they just non-tendered guys and yep. let the contracts expire and canceled all the options, didn't pick up anything and just paid the buyouts. They're legitimately scrubbing a hundred million dollars off the books. Yeah. And that's, that's if you get rid of all the arbitration guys. Yeah, too. exactly. So you but lose out on Odorizzi and Kyle Gibson. And I want those guys for seven million dollars. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've got some the point is just that they've got some pretty good flexibility. 
and if they'd rather keep those players around. They've got most of them for 2019. This wouldn't be a blow it all up and start over. This is still very much, hey, we like Rosario. He's entering his prime. We like Kepler. Hopefully Buxton and Sano get it together, and they're getting Jason Castro back for the start of next season, hopefully. Suddenly, the pieces, it doesn't look like a blow it up. It's more like a... Boy, this season went off the rails a little bit. Let's retool as quickly as we can and be World Series competitors next year. I think the the Sano and Buxton declines are very concerning and a really bad thing. But, and and p- people that don't look like the Twins won't like this, but I think that these guys were smart enough to say 2017 was lots of fun, but was it real? The league wasn't all that good. You had a very nice pop-up year, but I don't think Falvey looked at that and said, oh boy, we are so far ahead of schedule and things are going to be great. I think this roster was very much constructed from the day they got there with an eye towards 19. And Mm -hmm. very much and very wisely constructed with a ton of guys coming off the books. Uh, Sano and Buxton are a major problem here. But if you were were to have gone to these two guys in spring training and said to uh, Derek and Thad, you know what? The rest of this thing's not going to go fantastic. It's going to be problematic. You're going to have some injuries. You're going to have some bad luck, and you're not going to play great baseball. I think they would say we're not entirely surprised. Mm. And I think that they would also admit that they were very much trying to build something where where they were all of a sudden now going to get a ton of uh, of space to spend. Sure, and that will that will take this franchise in a potentially very different direction. Yeah, yeah, I can agree. Dozier, with... The Dozier thing yeah. is so is sort of the the top of the mountain towards an indication of what these guys planned. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I can't disagree with any of those points. I think you do free up yourself if you'd like to go get in the Manny Machado sweepstakes, assuming you'd be interested in that. Um, You're right about Buxton and Sano being concerning. I think the counterpoint, and this is what people would say to me, uh, my take is right in line with yours, Judd. If if Buxton's not a superstar and if Miguel Sano is not a perennial all-star, you know, 35, 40, 45 home run hitter who plays decent, passable defense at third base. It's pretty tough to construct a 100 win roster the rest of the way around. It just, it's going to be really difficult if those two guys who are supposed to be your stars are not your stars. The counterpoint to that is you weren't 100% sure what you were going to get from Barreos, and he looks like one of the best starters in the American League. You weren't 100% sure when Fernando Romero would get there, and he looks like a capable starter at 22, 23, making big league starts. And keeping you in basically every game that he's pitched in, save for one. That's two pretty good places to start. And then if Eddie Rosario is going to be a star, all right, some of the things are starting to fall in place for you. The two big dominoes to me still are at the center of the conversation. I think Twins fans have come back at me and said, yeah, but there are some other things that are going well. And and you need to give some credit where credit is due to those guys. The thing about the Astros, they have hit on, they've just hit the jackpot on all these big names that came up. They hit the jackpot on Carlos Correa, obviously. Alex Bregman was a first-round pick, jackpot. George Springer, they hit that. And then even their their pitching. I mean, Lance McCullers, yeah. outside of a kind of a rocky second half. They've just, um, they've all the guys that you would have said, yep, if this guy, this guy, this guy, and that guy all sure. pan out, then you're going to have a 100-win team. And it, sure enough, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy all panned out for okay. the Astros. Well, counterpoint, did the Astros buy a lottery ticket and get lucky? Or did the Astros buy smartly chosen stocks and have a great portfolio and worked it to the point where all of these guys are now big league stars? That one, yes. And, and they, asked, they also placed a bet on John Singleton like five years ago sure. and gave him a $40 million contract sure. in the wrong. minors, and they just cut bait on him. Sure. But they, 
Or the other way to morph this analogy is they just had a lot more lottery tickets than all Maybe the so. other teams. And they but, had, and those lottery tickets had higher percentage chances because they were so bad. True, but they also got Charlie Morton on a two-year deal when I don't think anybody else wanted him. And that turned out really well for them. And they were they, willing to pull the trigger on a Justin Verlander boom, trade, too. Exactly. And they Garrett seasoned Cole. it. They had this whole... Uh, this whole up groundswell of hey prospects and guys are getting into their competitive years and Altuve is our superstar and now these prospects are here and then they added for their World Series team a McCann a Beltron I mean they they yeah, really they did yeah. everything right yep. on the way to the World Series the Twins have sort of the first part of that formula and I just think that they've got a ways to go before they become one of the super teams a lot of things have to go right for them thanks Derek good stuff man thanks guys thanks, Derek Wetmore 1500ESPN.com and the Touch all podcasts. What does questions have for us next, Dave? You think we're not going to get back into IHOP a little bit? Well, we absolutely are. And I want you guys to take another shot at completely failing a question last week. You're going to get another shot to wow. rectify everything you did wrong. Okay. Cool. Recycled. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. On 1500 ESPN.